0: Okay, um, one, uh, yesterday, we had lots of great stuff happening yesterday. Uh, Noel and Sarah, we were witnesses of this. They actually got married. Congratulations to Noel and Sarah. In fact, their family was here in the first service. They had guests from Singapore and from all over the world, and it was great to celebrate together. In fact, imagine, October, they had an outdoor wedding at a golf course, and you could. we sat outside, and uh, there was this big maple tree, and uh, uh, full of golden leaves, and there was violinists playing, and the leaves were falling to the music. <laughs> Happened at your wedding, didn't it, Cherry? Yeah, no, probably not, probably not. Didn't happen at my wedding either, very disappointed in that, but uh, glorious, great day to celebrate with them. Uh, yesterday morning, next door. Uh, They were working away and and fixing up this uh, house, this cottage that our church has owned for many, many years is getting a facelift inside. And uh, what a great gift to our Syrian family and to potentially other refugees that will get to stay there in years to come. So thank you for those who've served in those ways. Uh, I think of the prayer breakfast that Hillside sponsored that happened yesterday morning. By the way, it went really well. (laughs) Um, Thank you for praying. It was just, God was really, really good. and. we hear from political leaders again and again that come to this event, how much they appreciate, how encouraged uh, a fire, it was either the fire captain or the police captain. It was a guy in a uniform, uh, and I was doing a lot of multitasking yesterday, but this really important-looking fellow, on the way out the door, he says, I just am leaving really filled up. Thank you. That was all he said to me, and then uh, Angel had a conversation with one of the political leaders, and uh, This person, uh, Angel, had a chance to speak into their life in a very personal way. He said, how are you doing? And they began riddling off the the things that they're doing politically. And they said, no, how are you doing personally? And this person uh, teared up as they shared about what's going on in their life. And and, uh, it was just really cool how God showed up there yesterday. And so awesome that we get to participate in these kind of things. It's been kind of crazy. Uh, We are going through all these renovations. It's been interesting because over this last week, um, Brett, our resident handyman who has been working for the church in recent weeks doing new doors in that wing of the building, he's come to me with gifts, uh, in, including like carpet samples that we found underneath old door jams. And, and we've literally found a bunch of, this is not all of them, this is, there's this one, which is a hideous yellow, and uh, doesn't smell so great. <laughs> personally i like the orange medley of this one i mean you, you got what i what i feel like we should do is hold on to these and uh mount them you know have it framed and mounted sort of like the eras of hillside uh this brown one i think this might have been the original sanctuary color i don't know i wasn't there in those days you think so does that look like about right yeah you guys had no taste back then it's really clear i mean there's it's really a hardy carpet, there's no question. I mean, you know, that was strong carpet, but uh, we'll have to add the, 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 the dusty rose, whatever color that is that we have now, that we'll, we'll add that to the sampling. But I, 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 uh, with all that's been going on this week, I even had to clean out my office and, and I, I emptied my... Oh, it was a joy. I'm so well-organized. It was just such an easy task. 19 years of junk in there some places. I um, emptied my filing cabinet, and I found why my office has had an interesting odor in recent, recent days. It's, there's a beautiful dead mouse that's been there for some time, I think, underneath my filing cabinet. So, I also found, interesting enough, not just carpet samples. When I was going through files, uh, I found financial records, and the only financial records I have in my filing cabinet are from 2001, and I found offering records, and I found financial statements, and I looked at it, and I go, we had no money. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, we were, and it, I, I was reminded of those years where it was, for, for this church, it was paycheck to paycheck. And our bookkeeper every month would uh, rob from this account to pay this bill and, and have to every month decide, are we paying our utilities this month or not? And, and uh, to think now we have three months contingency fund uh, sitting there, and I, and I thought of how God has financially provided and, 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 and ministered in that way in our church. I mean, it's, there's no comparison, folks, um, what God has done, and uh, he's been so faithful. <laughs> and if you stick with God long enough, if you can kind of follow the thread of his, his working in your life long enough, you'll be able to have those testimonies of, oh, that's where God did this. That's where God did that. And I hope we don't forget. I mean, that's why we should celebrate the carpets. And, and and you know what? I also think that as we kind of make improvements to this building and make these kind of changes, that we should also remember and be grateful for those who've gone before, years ago, like 55 years ago, when there was nothing on this land, and uh, a little group of people had a vision to change this neighborhood and to see the kingdom of God expand here. And think about this. This was a piece of, this was a little woods right here. It, it just, there was nothing really here. This little house next door. Nothing else in the neighborhood. They said, let's plant a church there. And uh, they began to do that. And uh, whatever we do here, here in this facility and on this property, we're building on the sacrifices and the faith that they had. And let me tell you, folks, it's a new day in Hillside. And this new generation of hillsiders are going to be asked by God, we're going to be asked by God to continue to give and to serve and to sacrifice and to exercise faith as we fulfill the calling he's given us to reach our community. So it doesn't stop. We're living in the, they were our pioneers, and we're following in their footsteps as we walk forward forward. Uh, and, and do you know what? They were walking. They had really big shoes to fill, the, the people who founded this church. They were walking in the lineage of people like Peter and John and those that we read about in the book of Acts. And we're in this series, and, and we see how these ordinary folk uh, were only set apart because of their relationship to Jesus. They, they got to know Jesus and his life so began to to change them that they began turning their world upside down i don't know about you but i want us as a church i want in my life to follow jesus in such a way to exercise such faith in jesus that we begin to see the world around us being turned upside down we're made for more folks you know I, I, we look at this uh, story, of the, the the birth of the church in Acts two last week we saw how how peter and 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 John they exercise this great faith, this crippled man that they see and and they, he's healed in christ's name and uh, I, I love that. well, we're going to pick up that story today. What happens after Acts chapter three is is these these followers of Jesus, Peter and John specifically find themselves in trouble because of what had happened, because of this miracle and what they said about it. And I want to just say that, folks, that, that part of following Jesus and part of seeing the world up, turned upside, upside down by the people of God doesn't kind of guarantee for us a path of safety. It actually may mean that God leads us into trouble. And, and this is one of these instances in the book of Acts where it seems like God is leading the people of God into trouble. And yet at the same time, he seems to give them a special gift that we're going to explore today in our service. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, that's where we're going to pick up the story. Does anyone else feel it's warm in here? Anybody? Hey, ushers, turn down the heat. Let's open the windows. We can do that. I just wanted to say something, you know, with great passion. So there you go. Acts chapter 4, great great. Great uh, story. We're going to read just the, from verse 1 to twenty, twenty-two. 22. If you need a Bible, uh, May is, you know, passing out Bibles there. Some tall person, just give her a hand, would you? You guy, what's your name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody should have to stand on a chair to do this job. I and mean, We got tall people for a reason. Come on, tall people. Like, step up. Do our, this is the body of Christ. Wow. Some people got to be told what to do. Do I look like your mama? I don't think so. I'm going to shut up now. This is this guy's first time at Hillside? Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So Peter and John, they've healed this lame man. Commotion comes in, in the end of chapter 3. They preach a sermon and 2,000 people come to Christ. That's what happened, has just happened. 2,000 people are added to their number. It says they were greatly disturbed. This is the Sadducees, these religious leaders, because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Did you catch that? It's kind of a little aside. They're in jail. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were un- unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could, not see, pardon me, because, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And God, uh, this morning, uh, last week, we talked about breakthrough. God, we'd like you to break into our gathering here this morning and speak to us and lead us. Uh, We want to see more of what we happen here happen to us. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, What a great text, huh? I mean, um, Peter and John, they're brought before, uh, just, you, you can see it. Can you picture it? An array of opposition. I mean, Luke goes to great detail. He says in verse five, it just lists this large group of people who are there to kind of interrogate them rulers, elders, teachers of the law. Annas the high priest was there, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the other members of the, the high priest's family. I, I think he's just trying to, trying to tell us here you got two guys, two ordinary fellows, uh, Peter and John, who are so outgunned and so outmatched in this particular instance. But what we see in this particular passage in in three different places, in in verse 13, 29, and and 31, we see three times the courage or the boldness of the disciples is is mentioned. When when I see that, I think, isn't that what we want? We want that kind of boldness. We want that kind of courage in our lives, both individually and and as a, a church together. By the way, all kinds of good things go on uh, throughout the entire book of Acts. We see this pattern kind of taking place, and there's strange and wonderful things. And I, I think it's kind of helpful for us to know that not all of those things are we to be looking at as, as, as to happen or, or for us to, to, to do the same way as they were done. There are some things in the book of Acts that are purely descriptive, they simply describe what happened. And there are probably some things I would say that are prescriptive. They're, they're kind of telling us this is what should happen and we should expect to see these things happen in, in our lives. A couple of examples, uh, the ascension of Jesus, Jesus rising to the heavens, that's the description of a one-time event. You know, we don't expect to see that again today. Birth of, the, the birth and the establishment of the church, these are both kind of, you know, unique, non-repeatable events and in, in moments in salvation history that we kind of look at and we praise God for, but we don't look for them happening again in our day. But there are some things in in Acts uh, uh, that I believe ought to be prescriptive. In other words, we ought to see them in our lives and we ought to see them in our church. And I think we see an example of this in Acts chapter 4. I propose all of us should be arrested for Jesus. Actually, that wasn't it. Some people in other parts of the world, and some people even here have been arrested for Jesus. In fact, one of our elders um, years ago was arrested, spent nine months in prison because of his faithfulness to Christ. He held a placard in front of an abortion clinic, um, lobbying for the rights of the unborn, and uh, he refused to kind of take it back. The judge says, take it back, in some senses and uh, he went and spent nine months in prison. He met his wife in prison. I think that's the coolest story. You gotta ask him about that. This is Dave I'm talking about, Dave Forsyth. You guys are, you guys are, you guys exist because your dad went to prison. You know that, right? For Jesus, that's, I think so. Awesome, awesome. Let's just meditate on that for a moment, how you guys came to be. Actually, I propose that what we're to imitate, what is prescriptive for us in Acts chapter four is the boldness of the disciples, this being bold for Jesus. I love this word, uh, bold. Uh, Years ago in seminary, I uh, had a really crazy, awful summer. It was the summer that I decided to take intensive New Testament Greek. It's basically you take a year-long class and cram it into seven weeks. And so I was living New Testament Greek day in, day out, and unlike Arthur, who has a mind for these things, I was not made for New Testament Greek. I was punished that summer. Actually, I kind of I loved it. And, and I, I have to say, I, I came home one day and I said, Angel, I think I found my favorite Greek word from the New Testament. And it's actually this word for bold that we see three times in this passage. It's the Greek word paresia. In fact, I was so enthusiastic about it that I think I convinced Angel by, after a number of weeks that we were going to name our firstborn daughter Parisia. And we were convinced of this. that if we had, And so that kind of got ruined when Caleb came along, you know, definitely a boy. So, of course, his middle name is Paris. No, it's not, actually. We, <laughs> we would not do that to him. But Caleb is actually named after an Old Testament hero of faith, Caleb's name means bold for God, so we kind of held on to that. I I, I wonder whether it was just how great Parisia sounds, or or perhaps uh, you know the fact that I grew up watching Star Trek. Maybe that's why I love the word bold so much because you know the opening lines of the the monologue, uh, William Shatner's voice, to boldly go where no man's gone before. Love that. But Jesus gave his followers this bold commission, this bold charge. We know it, and it, 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 it comes in many kind of different ways. I think of what when, when we call the great commandment, where he told people, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And that seems like motherhood and apple pie until you get the, to the second part of that commission where he says, and love your neighbor how? As much as you love yourself. How you love you, love your neighbor. And then, then we think of the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go into all the world, making, dis- all, making all nations disciples. Do that. Go. This, this Great Commission that we have from Jesus. And we have a repeat of that in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, well, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on, you will be my witnesses. I think he could have said, you will be my bold witnesses, here, there, and everywhere to the ends of the earth. And, and with the coming of the Spirit, we see the church step out in boldness. They're, they're boldly witnessing. They're, they're boldly living out the good news. Peter and John, you know, talk about boldness. Silver and gold, I do not have. What I have, I give. And they heal the guy. I mean, that's a bold move. The fact they would even think to do that. We see the early church being bold, both in word and word. And indeed, with what they did and with what they said. For the most part, what they did didn't get them into trouble. I mean, who doesn't like an act of compassion? Uh, I, I, who could really complain about a lame man being well? I mean, everyone was perplexed by it. But nobody got really upset by, by the fact that this lame man had gotten well. And, and we live in a day today where, where as we step out in, in acts of compassion... I mean, bringing a Syrian family from, from Syria, f- from Lebanon, that for the most part, people in our culture, for the most part, will applaud that. I mean, there's people who have different views on what to do with refugees, but for the most part, when we, you know, do something, uh, an act of compassion for somebody in need, the, the world kind of generally applauds that. The kind of thing that, that Peter and John got in trouble for was not when they healed that guy, but, but when they defended themselves and when they pointed to, it was with, with their words and, and how they defended what they had done. John and, and Peter are brought before the religious leaders to, to kind of defend themselves and, and Peter's message in, uh, in, in verse, verses eight to 12 is just fantastic. I mean, he, he starts quite respectfully but he gets quite pointed as we read just earlier He starts by saying, you know, hey, elders, respected rulers, you know, um, why have you brought us before you? He's employing a little bit of irony here, you know, for for healing this man. He's saying, that's a bit ironic that you're actually, you know, interrogating us because of this great deed that has been done. But since you ask why we did this and how we did this, we're going to tell you. And and Peter goes on to, to tell him how, hey, this Jesus whom you crucified, by the way. I mean, that's not exactly a nice thing to say. The this, this same God has raised him from the dead. And then, it, then, then Peter goes on to, and this is what got him into trouble. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Can I say, folks, that that was an audacious thing for Peter to say in that day? Talking about the lordship and sovereignty of Jesus Christ and the power of his name. No no less audacious than when Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father how except through me. What was Jesus being right there? Incredibly exclusive. No other name under heaven. No other way to the Father except through me. And quite honestly, folks, it's, it's offensive in our day to make any kind of truth claim. It's offensive in our day to, to say that there might be just only one way to God. It's offensive to limit the options. And, and you know what? Because of that offensiveness, there, there are churches and there are Christians who, maybe over time, who, who maybe subtly or quite boldly actually edit this out of the Christian message. Maybe you know of a, of a type of church that's like that. Where they're kind of open to anything. Anything goes, whether it be universalism, where everybody's in, everybody's okay, or the belief that all religions are essentially the same. They basically say the same thing. They lead you to the same place. Believe what you want to believe. That's our dominant cultural value right now. The other dominant cultural value is is tolerance. I I would argue that it could be intolerance. The, The Christian worldview is not tolerated now because it's an exclusive worldview. And here's the thing, anytime any church or Christian buys into that thinking, I'll tell you what I think happens. It's declawing the gospel. It's, it's robbing it of its power. In fact, I would argue that churches in Canada that have historically preached that message are dying by the boatloads. Somehow there's no teeth to their message. The gospel has lost its power. In Jesus' day, I'd say in the early church day, the sovereignty of Jesus and his lordship over everything was just as controversial, but in no way did the early church compromise that message. And it's that kind of bold following of Jesus that actually has the power to turn the world upside down. Any watered-down version of the gospel has no power to change anything, particularly a human heart. And so that, we just got to recognize that, that this is going to be a temptation for us. It's going to be temptation for us as a congregation to want to, we want to be nice. We, we want to say the right things. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to offend people. And so we're going to have to keep on coming back to basics as a church, kind of keep reorientating ourselves and challenging one another that our faith is about Jesus and his lordship, his supremacy over Everything. That we we really do hold on to when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That we actually take that as gospel truth. As hard as it is to say, it has all kinds of implications, I know. Are we going to hold to that truth or not? And we're going to have to keep on reminding each other of that. Because everything in our culture is going the other way. And let me say this. There'll be times when when people around us, if, if we're actually bold with our faith, or say these kind of things, that they'll be offended by our beliefs or something we say. And I want to just say this. Boldness, being bold, does not mean being unloving. Can I say that? Peter would say this in, in one of his letters. I, I mean, Peter learned this. I think he was pretty bold that day, but, but listen to what he actually instructs the church in, in later. First Peter 3.15 and he starts this great little piece. I've tended to edit over this, jump over this line. Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You catch that first part? Revere Jesus as Lord, but share the reason for the hope that you have. And do, how do we do it? Gently and respectfully. But don't ne- never, never. No, don't stop revering Jesus as Lord, as the one, as the way. But people will still get offended and and we may even be rejected for our faith. But we're called to bear it and we're not to stop. Uh, The the religious leaders in in this story don't know what to do with Peter and John. I mean, they've never encountered anyone quite like these two ordinary men. So finally, what do they do? They try to shut them up. Verse 18 says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Don't you just love Peter and John's response here? They, they say, uh, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. <laughs> they, they basically unpack these ordinary men are teaching the theologians some simple theology God is God, and you are not. Who am I to obey, you or God? And, and, and if we're ever going to be bold with our faith, we've got to kind of get that worked out in our own. I mean, who are we trying to please in our lives? The other, you, know, you know, sometimes on a Sunday morning here, and I, I have this kind of routine where I sit in my, my family room, my living room, and I, I pray on a Sunday morning, early in the morning, praying about the morning, And one of the things I have to do every single Sunday morning, it's consistent, and I almost have to do it every single day of my life, is I have to say, God, today I want to please you most, because there's a part of me that would like to please you more than God. And I I don't know what what workplace you're in, I don't know what the environment's like, but there might be that temptation there too, is that, hey, I want to please them, my boss, or my work colleagues or the people I hang out with at school. The temptation is so great to want to kind of fit in in every way. And God calls us to remember that God is God. And he's, he's, we, we were put on this planet to, first and foremost, more than anything, please him. Revere Jesus as Lord. Peter and John, they top off their argument with this great line, I think it's profound. They said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. <laughs> we can't help. Ab- I mean, think about it. They've just, they've just spent the night in prison. They've just been threatened in all kinds of ways by this array of officials. And their answer is, we can't help ourselves. We cannot stop. Why is that? Why can't they help speaking? Think about it. What would have to happen in your life so that you could not help speaking about the gospel? What would have to happen in you so that you couldn't stop yourself from sharing the good news of Jesus? A couple of things. Listen to what, what they said. They said, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. They were witnesses, they had, they had seen Jesus working. They, they had followed him and saw him uh, doing miracles and ministering to people, broken people, restored, all those kind of things. They'd, they'd observed him die, but rise again. They, they had touched the scars in his hands. They'd, they'd seen the, 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 the broken, ho- the hole in his side. Let me, let me tell you, we can't ever expect to discover the kind of boldness Peter and John had if we want to keep Jesus at a distance in our lives. If somehow we're keeping Jesus at arm's length, if, if we're somehow looking at him as an onlooker and not a participant, you know, like that, that glass wall that Pastor Dave, Dave spoke about a couple weeks ago, that where we're looking at Jesus, we can describe Jesus, but but honestly, we're we're insulated from him in some pretty significant ways. (laughs) If we're not participants in the life of Jesus and getting to know Jesus by reading about him and spending time with him, we won't naturally be bold for him. Peter and John were witnesses. Something else happened. The gospel got so deep down into them that it just became an overflow, a fountain out of their life. Think of Peter. I mean, Peter, just weeks before, in the moment where loyalty really was demanded of him. And he's there around the fire, and he's asked, you know, Jesus, this this man, he devoted his life to following for three years. And in in that moment around the fire, three times, he'd say, I don't know the man. In fact, he says, he, he swore, I don't know the man. Can you imagine? Think of John. John, his story is a little bit murkier on the the night that Jesus was betrayed, but we know he fled with the rest of the disciples. We do know that he was at the cross, and he was standing at the cross, and we know he was there because Jesus actually speaks to him from the cross and asks John to take care of his mother. Would you take care of my mom? Make sure she's okay. And, and he would be there, John would be there to hear Jesus speak to his enemies. And Jesus on the cross did not call down curses, on his foes. Jesus on the cross, John, John heard this and saw this, could sense the love with these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He'd never seen mercy like that. He'd never seen mercy like Jesus' mercy. Peter, and, you know, uh, when Jesus returned, I, I mean, there's that great story, that great, uh, another fire over another fire, Jesus restores Peter and assures him of his love for him in spite of his betrayal. For Peter and John, they, they, tasted, the, they tasted the mercy of Jesus firsthand. Jesus' mercy, had inter, they didn't deserve it. They hadn't earned it. In spite of themselves, Jesus came with his love and acceptance and mercy. Think of uh, John Newton, how he encountered that. I think... I think Peter and John could have sung a similar song to John Newton, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved a Wretch Like Me. You see, John Newton knew that he was a wretch. Peter knew he was a wretch. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. I propose this, until we somehow get an idea of our wretchedness, we really won't be grateful for our salvation. Until we kind of really see how, as Tim Keller said, how how deeply, we're, we're more deeply broken and flawed and sinful than we ever dare believe. If we don't really see that, at least a taste of it, then the good news really won't be good news to us. That we're more loved and accepted by Jesus than we ever dared hope. As we get a, a clearer vision, and my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and that includes the whole our brokenness and sin and our, our failings and our, our our absolute hopeless condition apart from God. I pray that we'll get to know the gospel. <laughs> that we're simply saved sinners, saved by grace, each one of us, sinners saved by grace. You know and when we bump into people in in our neighborhood and in our world, if they think you're holier than thou, if they think you're religiously proud, then I'd suggest that's a sign that gospel hasn't gone as deep as it needs to go in your life. If they get that vibe from you of judgment, that's not Jesus. Because broken people went to Jesus in flocks. They were drawn to Jesus because they could only sense welcome and acceptance. I love what they said. We can't help but speak what we have seen and heard. And by the way, it's not just that these guys were witnesses or the gospel got got a hold of them. Let me tell you one more thing. The Holy Spirit got a hold of them. Because boldness is actually a working of the Holy Spirit. It'd be a huge mistake to think this story is all about how courageous Peter and John were. It'd be a huge mistake to overlook verse eight, which says, then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them. It'd be a huge mistake to forget the promise that Jesus made in Luke chapter 12, where he said to his disciples, he would have said this, Peter and John were hearing this firsthand, when you're brought before synagogues, Rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Right when we need him the most, not before, not after, right when we need him, the Holy Spirit will speak to us as he did with Peter and John. (laughs) Fulfillment of that passage. You know, the consistent sign in, in the book of Acts of the coming of the Holy Spirit is not like some churches teach the the gift of tongues. Some, when the Holy Spirit comes into their life, they they receive the gift of tongues and they speak in another tongue. The consistent sign that we see in the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit's presence in a person's life is this, boldness. Boldness. I I, I think of uh, when I became a Christian, um, I, I should say, for the 17th or 18th time, but the one time it stuck where God seriously met me, um, I couldn't help but speak about my faith to my friends. You know, yesterday, it was interesting, I I, I got to kind of live this almost a little bit yesterday, this passage, because I was kind of brought before the rulers and authorities of the Tri-Cities yesterday. And I had the the joys of kind of welcoming them and and sharing scripture a little bit and, and facilitating that, and it's interesting, I had, A really nice little ending kind of a god bless you and thank you for coming was what i was going to say to end it off and as i'm sitting there towards the end the last person was was doing their thing we were singing oh canada i felt the holy spirit prompt me to go a different route and I, i felt like i was meant to to be a little bit bold and i was able to in that moment yesterday share about the the love of a personal god for these people i said you know, I, I just said, I, I'm going to be unapologetic about this, but we have a personal God who loves every one of you. And when we pray, he hears us, and, and we believe our tribe, this, the Christian pastors who are gathered here to get, get, gather here to get, today pray for you. We believe God answers prayers. But I want to just tell you, we care about you because God cares about you. And I was able to kind of boldly speak out where, where quite honestly, it, it, we we are careful not to want to offend those leaders who come year after year the holy spirit giving the words with which to speak and 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 a few of you testified after the first service shared with me just how god in, in moments in your life where where you didn't you were in situations in classrooms or in workplaces or even in a family gathering and the holy spirit gave you the words to say you're living in the lineage of peter and john again when you do that Depending on the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will will come upon you. So, So we keep opening ourselves up to the life of the Spirit. We keep saying, God, fill us with your Spirit. And one of the fruits of that is going to be boldness and courage. Could some of you use a little bit more courage? I think so. We've got to wrap this up. I don't want to miss the best part. My favorite part of the whole scripture here is in verses 23 to 31. Let's just read that. Turn turn again. Uh, If your neighbor is falling asleep, just give him a good swift elbow. Do that in the name of Jesus with love. Such a violent church. On their release, Peter and John, this is verse 23, went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And he goes on to quote uh, from Psalm 2. Why do the nation's rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against you, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will and will had decided beforehand should happen. Let's just pause there for a second. That's what I would describe as being a perspective prayer. Uh, you know, listen, did you hear what they're saying? They're saying things like, God, sovereign Lord. Sovereign means over everything, in, in charge of everything. Uh, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea. Perspective. You know, we, we have these enemies that are threatening us we he goes on to list Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and he says but he says you creator you are the one who made heaven and earth and then this psalm too that he quotes is one of those perspective psalms it's like I don't know does the world ever make you feel small or, or maybe even as a Christian make you feel stupid this, this this kind of prayer that we see here is a reminder hey God is God, and, and, and he's the power to be reckoned with, not the powers that are in front of us, not these ones who are threatening us. Then I love the, the, the last part of this. This is just gold. Listen to this prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats against us and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Um, I love that last part of prayer. It's pretty amazing. Think about the time and context of, of that prayer. I mean, Peter, the day before, had preached, and 2,000 had been added to their number, become believers through it. Here, that day, he's in front of all these rulers and elders. He's kind of hit the epitome of boldness. And then he joins with the rest of the disciples and what do they pray? Make us more bold. It, it's kind of a crazy prayer to pray when you think about it, but I think it, it reminds us of a couple things. Past boldness is no assurance of future boldness. Past boldness is no, no assurance, uh, assurance, thank you. Wow, I felt so helped right there of future boldness. You know, you don't get boldness for a year or a month or a week. I think you get kind of boldness for the moment, boldness for the day, and it's, and it's teaching us and reminding us of this life of dependency on the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just give you boldness. I, I think of times in my life where I've been spectacularly bold for God. and the same week, I've choked. And like the, the, it, was, it was laid out for me the opportunity to, to share Christ, or, or to say something appropriate about God, and I've choked. I've held back. It's a moment by moment deal, this, this surrendering our lives to the Holy Spirit. It's a walking with God. And, uh, and so we, we, we keep on going back to this needing to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to, to be bold for God. Um, I wonder this morning, some of you are afraid just a little bit in your life? I mean, maybe afraid of speaking about your Christian faith, uh, you're keeping your cards pretty close to your chest or whatever it might be. Why, why is that? Well, you know in the mornings when I pray on those Sunday mornings where it's, it's either pleasing God or pleasing you, I realize it's fear. I'm afraid of letting you down, I'm afraid of uh, messing up, afraid of failure, uh, any number of things. As I was uh, thinking about that yesterday, I was remembering this scene in Prince Caspian where Aslan, the Jesus figure, Aslan the, the great lion, uh, finds the, the four children and the dwarf who've kind of gone off the rails. They've kind of done the wrong thing. And Susan, especially, uh, Aslan confronts. Do you remember what Aslan says to, to Susan? Susan, you've been listening to your fears. You've been listening to your fears. You know what uh, What we see in this passage here, Peter and John, <laughs> the one thing we see is fearlessness. They're not even thrown by being put in prison. They're not being thrown by, by being in front of all those rulers and elders. They were fearless. You know what happens with Aslan and Susan? Aslan says, come here, let me breathe on you. And then he asks her a question, are you brave again? I sense for you this morning that God wants to do that for you. For those of you who are kind of, uh, 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 you may be shaking in the boots is a bit of an extreme description, but for whatever reason, fear has become a, a real part of your life. And uh, his vision for you is fearlessness and courage and boldness but he knows you're not going to receive that courage apart from himself. And so he says to you today, let me breathe on you. Let me breathe on you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's let's just close in prayer. So Father, Father, we just want to ask you this cool thing. We want to pray along with the the early church where they said, God, make us bold. Would you make us bold, God? Father, we, uh, we're we tired of being timid or fearful. Lord, you know what, it, what the obstacles are for each of us. Uh, Lord, maybe for, for some of us, Lord, you know, we haven't been participants in the life of Jesus. And this morning, you're inviting us into that life. You're, you're, you're saying there's a warm, open welcome that Jesus is ready to receive us and to, and to enter into our lives as we enter into his. So Jesus, t- teach us. If, if we've been kind of content with being an onlooker, help us to engage with you in a whole new way, we pray. Father, I pray for those, God, uh, uh, Father, we're where we just haven't understood the gospel, the truth about ourselves, that we're lost without you. And, uh, Lord, you, <laughs> that's not the end of the story, but, but it, unless we understand that part of the story, we'll never get it, Lord. And so I pray, help us to see ourselves and our brokenness for what it is, our rebellion against God, our, our selfishness, our sin. And Lord, that we might be open about that before you so that we might receive truly the salvation that you offer us and that we might live in great, great joy because we, are we who are so lost, we who are so wretched, have been found in Christ. So God, would you save us, we pray, from, from that sort of self-righteousness when, when there's nothing to commend ourselves to you. It's only from what Christ has done. And I, I pray we would come to the place where we could not help ourselves we would not be able to stop speaking because we are so thrilled with what what you've done for us. Then, Father, we pray, fill us with your Spirit. Fill Fill us with your Spirit so that when we're in our office or our school or in our families or in our neighborhood, that when there are appropriate moments for us to speak, that we might speak with boldness, we might not hold back. We do it gently and respectfully, but boldly, we pray. Give us courage. May that be a working of your spirit in us, we ask. Holy God. Just, uh, I just sensed this morning that, that uh, breakthrough for you and for me breakthrough. Keep coming back to that word. God, would you break into our experience so that we might begin to look like Peter and John in the early church. Do this, we, we pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.